When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Duval, welcome in to another episode of the Gin Jack Podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. Nobody on the planet gave your Jaguars a chance to take down the Bills last weekend. Nobody, not me, not Jeremy, not anyone that I saw on national television or locally, but they did it. Nine to six victory over the Bills in Duval. And all of a sudden, the Jaguars have won two out of their last three games. We will get into that. We will talk about some big picture topics, maybe sneak in some OBJ talk, and look ahead to the Colts, of course. Um, Check out GenJag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Big thank you, as always, to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and at the Riverside Tap Room on Roselle. All right, Jeremy, how are we feeling today, bud? Well, it's a victory week, so that's always uh, that's always a plus. I mean, you know, uh, minus the offensive struggles, just watching the way the defense came out and played on Sunday was absolutely magnificent. Didn't think this group was capable of, of a performance like that. Um, and it's always great, no matter how you get it, to to go off on a win. And like you mentioned, two out of their last three, you know, we we've both you know, been pretty vocal about the fact that there are some games here uh, over the last few weeks that we should have won that we didn't. Um, So it's nice to see them finally get one that, like you said, nobody really thought they had a chance to win. This is a game that we shouldn't have won and we did. And and those are, in my opinion, a little bit more sweet, um, you know, when it comes down to, to beating the number one team in the AFC. Yeah, definitely. And they're no longer the number one team in the AFC. The Titans get to hold that distinction, at least for now. Um, And forget the fact that over the last three games, the Jaguars have been outscored by a total of 18 points. (laughs) Somehow they've still won two out of three of them. So you'll take it if you're a Jags fan for sure. Some news before we get hot and heavy into the Buffalo talk. Miles Jack and James Robinson uh, did not participate in practice on Wednesday, but Urban Meyer expects both of them to be ready to go Sunday. Obviously, James Robinson, he got injured. Two weeks ago against Seattle, uh, did not play against the Bills. He has a heel injury, but like I said, even though he didn't practice on Wednesday, Urban Meyer does believe he'll be ready to play. Same with Miles Jack, who has a little bit of a knee issue going on, but uh, Urban feels good about him. Trevor Lawrence and Cam Robinson, they were both limited Wednesday. Again, Urban Meyer said, no problem. They should be good to go for the weekend. Um, Lawrence practiced and said he felt pretty good better than he expected coming off that ankle injury so that's huge obviously and you you want cam robinson out there regardless of how you feel about 
what Walker Little did. You definitely want your starting left tackle back in the game to uh, to protect Trevor Lawrence against a pretty impressive defense in terms of in terms of a lot. They're they're a pretty good defense with the Colts, but we'll jump into that later. Uh, Josh Allen. AFC Defensive Player of the Week. How about that? Yeah, kudos to him. He deserved it. I mean, just just with the week that he had, the game that he had, uh, you know, and, and just the momentum shift and just the impact, really, I think is what it boils down to. Because I'm sure there are guys across the league maybe had, maybe not a better stat line because, you know, you have one fumble recovery, one interception. I mean, that's that's pretty freaking awesome. But there are probably some guys out there who had comparable stat lines. I, I know you noticed that, Josh Allen didn't make it on Pro Football Focus's team of the week. Somehow, I have no clue. But it just goes to show that the impact that he had on that game was was stronger than anybody else around the league. And it's great to see uh, him get that recognition because the show he put on Sunday was spectacular. Yeah, and I just have to say it out loud. Josh Allen sacked Josh Allen. Josh Allen intercepted Josh Allen. Josh Allen recovered Josh Allen's fumble. And he also racked up eight tackles, two tackles for loss unbelievable um, story with the Josh Allen, the two guys going head-to-head there. And, of course, they're not really going head-to-head on every single play. But the Jaguars' Josh Allen made sure that the Bills' Josh Allen knew who he was, and he's not going to forget that game for a long time. One of the worst games that the Bills' Josh Allen has had this year, certainly, and probably dating back to uh, 2019-ish when he was still kind of trying to find his footing in the league. So awesome for the Jaguars' Josh Allen to receive the notoriety that he did. He was obviously deserving of the award with that type of impact and stat line. But, you know, the Jaguars kind of get looked over quite often, but not this time. So good for him. He's playing really good football. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. Um no OBJ for the Jaguars. He did. Uh, he cleared waivers, so he will sign with a team as a free agent. Um, just, I know you have some thoughts about that. Why don't you go ahead and talk about no OBJ for the Jags? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it light. I don't really want to get into it now that it, that it's that's gone and over with, unless you want me to. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep it light on that topic. But I just I think it was a miss here um, by the franchise to not put in a waiver. Um, we're pretty used to that around here in Jacksonville. They don't really take those, um, you know, outward signs of of you know really going all out for the win, going all out to make the team better. And to be honest with you, I just think that's a move that that winning teams make. I mean, you see calibers, you know, the player of this caliber uh, in the past get cut from a team or get released from a team. I mean, they're going to find a home. Someone's going to take a chance on them because of who they are. I think the Jaguars could have done the same thing. I mean, yeah, it comes with some potential headaches and it comes with some potential issues, but OBJ had no leverage in this situation. Uh, I think any team could have claimed him. And, and even more so, I thought for sure that somebody would claim him. So the fact that nobody in the NFL claimed him leaves me a little bit, you know, with with a, a little bit less of a, of a nasty taste in my mouth regarding the situation. But I mean, he steps into this room and he's arguably your best receiver already, even with the injuries and, and the lack of production, everything else that he's had going on the last year and a half or so. He immediately makes an impact on this team and he immediately makes this team better. And that should be the goal going forward is, is making this team better. You know, we're not holding out hope for the first overall pick anymore. We're not, you know, in that vicious cycle. We have a franchise quarterback. So everything that you do, every decision you make from here on out should make your team better. I think that was an easy decision they could have made and chose not to. Yeah, and it's not like it wasn't uh, 
something that it would have been a risky move, right? But the risk would only be that it doesn't work out and you move on from him either during 2021 or after the season. So I would have done it. I'm with you. I do understand all these coaches and uh, personnel guys around the league kind of just steering clear of it because of the potential headache and because you're going into week 10 of the season. Like you feel like your team is already moving in a certain direction. You've been working with these guys for a while um, and you just don't want to stop and focus all of your attention on Odo Beckham Jr., which is obviously what you have to do. But yeah, I think I think he would have helped Trevor. Um, would he have come and play? I don't know, but call his, make him make him make him not play, right? Exactly. Call his bluff, like you're about to say. I mean, yeah. He lost all of his leverage. The, the remaining years on his contract were voided. And as a four year veteran anyway, if you get claimed off waivers during a season, you have the right to um, basically option out the rest of your contract after it's said and done. So he could have gotten out if he wanted to. And if he didn't want to play for the team that claimed him off waivers, they would have owned his rights and he would have had to retire. And if you think OBJ for a minute is done with football, which I don't think he is, or he wouldn't, you know, be still wanting to play, he would have retired already. Then he would have had to, you know, taken, you know, swallowed his pride and, and taken that step and played for whatever team claimed him. Because at this point now he is uh, potentially, you know, um, submitting his best, you know, efforts and, and and submitting his audition to the rest of the league, saying, "Hey, I I still got it." He would have to go out there and prove that for a team to sign him the next year. I think him sitting out would have been career suicide. So I don't think he really had a lot of leverage in this situation. Yeah, I'm with you, but uh, he will end up signing with one of these contenders. It looks like, and um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. I will say, I've never been a huge fan of his drama. And his, um, you know, diva wide receiver sort of attitude. I don't think, I don't know this, but I do think there's some guys in the locker room that that would rub the wrong way. But I also think there's guys in the locker room, all of them, they want to win. And I think all of them respect what OBJ can do to help you win and help you have uh, a better offense. And uh, he would be the Jaguars' best wide receiver, bar none, right now. Um, and he'd help Trevor Lawrence, but not going to happen. He'll end up somewhere else. Uh, Urban Meyer kind of essentially confirmed that today. He didn't really 100% say that, but he said, you know, they talked about it, but in the days leading up to today, they haven't talked about today. It's not going to happen. So um, no OBJ, but that's all right. Uh, Still coming off a big win over the Buffalo Bills in Jacksonville. Obviously, this one was all about the defense, so let's start there. Um, Josh Allen was incredible. We talked about that. Uh, He, over the last month, over his last four games, has been on an absolute tear. He's he's not only playing like a top 10 pick. I mean, he's playing like a top 5, top 3 type of pick over the last month. He is constantly racking up pressures, constantly getting the, the quarterback, He's making a positive impact, dropping back into coverage, even when he's not picking off passes. Like he is in the right spot. He knows how to play as a drop uh, three, four outside linebacker. He's doing a really good job of it. Really, on the season, he's played very well outside of the uh, Thursday night matchup in Cincy, where he just couldn't get anything going from a pass rush standpoint. But this is a guy 
who's starting to peak in year three, and it looks like the sky's the limit for him. The only guy, according to PFF, over the last month that has been uh, higher rated or higher graded out than Josh Allen at defensive end or outside linebacker is Miles Garrett. So that's really impressive stuff. Yeah, he, he played out of his mind, and I think the whole defense – really played extremely well, way over our expectation uh, for them, or, or really um, anybody's expectation for them. And probably the expectations outside of the local media are probably a lot worse than they are inside. So to see them put that together, it, it was jaw-dropping. It was astounding. The only thing is, I mean, the Bills did move the ball. They moved the ball pretty well. They, they racked up uh, quite a bit of yards in this one. However, when the Jaguars needed to make a play, somebody came up with a play, whether it be a strip sack, whether it be the interception by Rudy Ford, the interception by Josh Allen. Guys were making plays all over the field on Sunday, and they kind of did some of the things we talked about last week. They put guys in different positions. They moved a lot of guys around. I mean, uh, Herndon was inactive. Uh, again, I know he's had his injury issues, and he hasn't really been playing that much anyway, but they dropped Rudy Ford down to the nickel, and he played extremely well. Dewan Smoot, who's been coming on as of late, and I've really enjoyed watching him play. He got a bunch more playing time, and Caleb on chase on, he didn't see much of the field. So maybe we're starting to finally realize, hey, look, we've given these guys their chance. We need to get some of these guys rotated in. We need to change things up, and they did it with new personnel. Um, looks like their scheme was a little bit more aggressive. Um, maybe they're starting to understand the defensive scheme a little bit better now You know that we're nine, ten weeks in here. I know that sounds like a long time, but for a bunch of players who have never really had a great structure in the first place, uh, never really had a defensive scheme in which they were really effective, learning a new scheme with new guys – could take time. And it's a whole new, it, it's not like a different variation of the four, three or a cover two, you know, where you just maybe have to learn new terminology. It's a full new system that this team has not seen in the past. And we're starting to see some of these guys thrive in it. Now I'd love to see the defense continue this momentum and continue playing this way, but it's just really hard to see that going forward, you know, just with what we've seen in the past and with the personnel that we have on this team. I mean, it's really not the best. The Bills we can look up. forward in a little while. Let's continue talking right. about this and, game and so a little the, bit. The Bills were banged up up front, and I'm sure that, you know, contributed to some of this as well. I mean, Taven Bryan just coming out of nowhere and, and being the impactful player he was on Sunday really shows me that, man, this might be a fluke. We haven't seen anything from him <laughs> in the last three years or four years that he's been here. But it's nice to see. I mean, it's really nice to see a team step up, rise up to the occasion, play up to the level of the competition. Offensively, we didn't really do much at all. But defensively, we stepped up and we stopped the number one offense in the league from practically doing anything, held them to six points. I mean, it, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, you mentioned Joe Cullen, uh, calling a great game. And I think for this Jaguars team, you mentioned maybe there's not the most talent on this defense or at certain areas of the defense a lot of it is not just about the players adjusting to the scheme. It's about Joe Cullen adjusting his scheme to the players. And I think he's finally willing to, will, willing and putting that into action with uh, calling more of the two deep safety looks, more zone looks, but mixing that up with also cover zero blitzes, uh, nickel blitzes with Rudy Ford. He, Rudy Ford did a really good job blitzing from the nickel spot in this one. Um, and then you know, getting guys uh, like Taven Bryan in the game for this specific matchup because he is a guy that 
has the ability to push the pocket when he's right, when he has confidence. They gave him the confidence in this one. They said, you know, go out and just put your pin your ears back and get after the quarterback, push the pocket. That's exactly what he did. And it was against, you know, a banged up Bills offensive line. They do not have the greatest interior offensive line. And the fact that the Bills have basically written off their run run game this year. They're just not they're content to not run the ball. You would think a team that's just going to throw the ball all day against the Jaguars would have some success based on what we've seen in terms of how poor their defense had done uh, when it came to stopping the pass. But because Joe Cullen was confident that the Bills weren't going to run the ball and weren't going to run the ball effectively, he was able to call a game against a one-dimensional offense, and this is the type of thing that can happen when you are one-dimensional on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it it really surprises me how – they, like you said, have completely written off the run, especially, you know, against such a poor defense. Brian Dable didn't go to the run at all yet uh, on Sunday, excuse me, not yesterday, at all on Sunday. And even when they were having their struggles in the passing game, even when Josh Allen was getting pressured consistently, throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball, the game was never out of reach. This game finished nine to six. This game was never out of reach. You never had to become one-dimensional. You never had to shrink your playbook. But for some reason, they just refused to try anything else. And I think, honestly, that benefited Joe Cullen in the defense and his play calling. So, really, just... Oh, it did 100%. I'm not sure if I lost you there a little bit there, Jeremy. You still with me? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely benefited this defense. Even though this is a defense that struggles against quarterbacks and receivers and tight ends, because they were able to hone in on just stopping the pass and not worrying so much about the run, you saw what can happen. And I think it's a combination of that and the fact that Joe Cullen is getting these guys in better positions to succeed. I think Tyson Campbell is playing better as a zone defender than as a man-to-man defender right now because he's able to see what's happening in front of him instead of reacting to the ball while it's in the air, reacting to the man. I think that's helping him out. Um, Shaq Griffin, he's still playing really well, uh, covering the opponent's number one receiver or staying on that side of the field with the number one receiver a lot. You know, Stephon Diggs was held in check during this game. He caught everything thrown to him for the most part, but no big gains, uh, no chunk plays for him. And part of that was that uh, too deep safety look it really kind of minimizes what some of these crazy athletic and crazy arm talent quarterbacks like Josh Allen can do you've seen teams running the two deep safeties against Pat Mahomes all year and it's been uh, helping defenses out against the Chiefs for sure and frustrating them um, it's just one of those things in this league where you you get the back and forth you get these guys that are unbelievably talented at quarterback with big arms and can just improvise well, how do you kind of limit that? You get the two deep safeties back, whereas prior to that, a lot of teams were just running these single high um, or straight man-to-man or the cover three dating back to Seattle. So it's just a league where you have um, you have an action by the offense and you have a counter by the defenses. We're seeing the counter right now. Yeah, and I know I've talked about this in the past. You know, great coaches are able to, you know, adjust their scheme to fit their players. You know, great coaches are not just going to sit in their ways and, and just make 
guys conform to what they have going on. They're going to recognize the strengths and the weaknesses of their players, and they're going to adjust their scheme accordingly. I think, like you mentioned, we finally saw that for the first time on Sunday. Playing man-to-man as a cornerback is is totally you know, instinctual. You've got to be able to feel what's going on around you without seeing it. Like you mentioned, where zone, you're able to kind of see the quarterback. You see his eyes. You see his reads. You see what's going on in front of you, and you're able to make that play on the ball in front of you. So Tyson Campbell obviously played a lot better in that system, and I think we finally found something that's very successful, not only for this defense, but against the pass. Like you mentioned, dropping two, bringing pressure, and keeping everything in front of you. Let nothing beat you over the top. Confuse quarterbacks with guys dropping in and out of blitz looks, dropping in and out of zones, you know, blitzing from distance, all that stuff. Eventually, you're going to have a quarterback misread a zone, misread the defense, and make a mistake. And that's what we saw happen to Josh Allen twice on Sunday. So I think going forward, especially when you are trying to contain certain quarterbacks that we have on the schedule, that should be your go-to. Bring a lot of different blitz packages. Confuse these quarterbacks. Keep everything in front of you and wait for them to make that mistake. That's the best I think you can do when you have a defense who's not going to go out and dominate opposing offenses. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It, it's just so impressive from Joe Cullen. I I kind of expected him to be able to call games like this. Obviously, we expect more man-to-man from a typical Joe Cullen defense, but I expected him to be able to adjust what he needed to do to his players. Um, it took a while, you know? Uh, to get to this point where you could shut down what was the most potent offense in football. Uh, But I I thought he could do this before the season. It wasn't happening over the first um, eight games or seven games. And finally we were able to see it, what this defense can be when, when Joe Cullen matches his scheme and his play calling with what the talent can allow you to do. And we'll see if Rudy Ford ends up being this, nickel superstar that he's been over the last couple weeks and certainly that he was against the bills Uh, prior to being here he was more of a special teamer Uh, but the way he played in that role in that defense was really impressive Uh, if you're playing against teams that are going to pass the ball keep getting Taven Bryan on the field now the Colts are going to be an entirely different animal and we'll talk about that later on in the show but let's talk about the Jaguars offense you mentioned not a whole lot to write home about in terms of this this game, in terms of the execution from the offense, but I did see some things that I liked uh, from a schematic standpoint, from a play-calling standpoint. We got a quarterback sneak on fourth and short, and guess what? It worked. Trevor Lawrence can run the quarterback sneak. How about that, Jeremy? Hey, he looked pretty comfortable to me. What do you think? <laughs> uh, he looked great. I wonder, if they, uh, I wonder if they tried it in practice this week before running it on Sunday. Not live. <laughs> Not live, that's for sure. Jeez. Oh, man. But yeah, kudos to them for finally doing it. They should have done it a long time ago, but it worked out, worked out great. Um, saw a lot of stack formations and bunch formations to one side of the field. Uh, usually the, um, the uh, left side of the field it was, I believe, but stacking on that one side of the field, you had four receivers all lined up next to each other uh, on that first fourth down that they went for. And uh, Trevor was able to hit Jamal Agnew, who just uncovered very easily because with the four guys on that side of the field, you can isolate someone against a linebacker uh, when they're in man coverage and hit the linebacker, even though it was um, 
it was Tremaine Edmonds. He just didn't have a shot at keeping up with Jamal Agnew on that out route. And it worked beautifully. And that's the type of stuff you need to run when you have an offense with pass catchers that kind of struggle to get open consistently. Scheme them open. And that's that's some of what we saw um, against the Bills from from Daryl Bevel. I think that was an encouraging sign of progress. Obviously, the execution wasn't quite there a lot in this one. And part of that is just on Trevor missing some throws after his injury. Part of it is on too many drops uh, that we keep seeing from some of these guys. And then part of that is just not having your engine, your offensive engine, that is James Robinson. Yeah, I, I loved the the new you know packages and formations that they had on Sunday. Not only do you get guys matched up on linebackers when you run these four by ones and these three by ones and these stacks and these bunches, but you don't allow the defense to get close to the line of scrimmage and get tight to the receivers because they have to play off the ball. You can't have four guys up on the line against a bunch or a stack look. It, it just doesn't work that way. So it makes these receivers play or it makes these DBs play off these receivers and it allows separation at the line of scrimmage. If you can't generate it on your own, like you mentioned, this offense has struggled with that. It's struggled with that mightily. We don't have receivers who can create a lot of, excuse me, a lot of separation off the line of scrimmage. So being able to get guys in space, quick outs, um, quick flats off the snap, especially in short yard situations can be extremely effective, especially when you get a good matchup. The offense kind of molded a little bit, but you expected that. You expected that against the number one defense in the league. Um, you know, let's not take away any credit from the Bills. They played a great game defensively. They shut everything down. Um, the Jaguars really looked a little amiss without James Robinson. But if you look at the the offense as a whole right now, you're down your lead back. You're down three starting offensive linemen, and you're down your number one. Your, I'm sorry, not your number one. Your number two receiver, who's also your number one deep threat. That is yeah. going to limit you a lot. And the Bills took advantage of that. They just did. You know, they were able to, you know, keep Trevor in check, make sure guys weren't getting behind them. We we don't have guys that create a lot of great separation. So zone works really well for them. You know, they're they're not going to get faked out at the line of scrimmage. They were able to keep everything in front of them, keep receivers covered, locked down pretty well. And with the absence of the running game, there's just really nowhere for the offense to go. Yeah. Um, I do I do think the Bills had a good game plan for this one. Again. Lack of execution, there was some opportunities for the Jaguars to get more points than they did in this one, for sure. You had the Jamal Agnew drop. Uh, Trevor Lawrence just missed Marvin Jones on what probably would have been a touchdown. Uh, again, late in the fourth quarter, Agnew probably didn't have a touchdown, but good 30-40 yard gain if Trevor just hits him in stride on that wheel route on the right side of the field. Instead, it ends up an incompletion because it's thrown behind Agnew. Um, kudos to Trevor for battling through that ankle injury after Walker Little got driven back into him and stepped on his ankle there. Looked really bad at first. I mean, I think all of Duval was collectively holding their breath there. But he he missed a few plays, toughed it out, got back in the game. Got to give him a lot of credit for being tough. He definitely didn't play the way you'd like him to play after getting back in the game. But prior to that injury, he did leave the lead the team on two scoring drives and three opportunities. They weren't finishing the drives, but they were at least moving the ball. So that's encouraging. But um, Walker Little, I just mentioned, 
What do you think about Walker Little's first NFL start? How ironic is it that we were just talking about <laughs> what is the Jaguars' plan for Walker Little? You get a Cam Robinson injury in pregame, and Walker Little's starting for the first time right after we talked about it. I think he played well. Um, you know, I think he did some things really well. I think there's some things that he could have done a little bit better. Um, he's got to be a little bit more aggressive at the point of attack, in my opinion. Now, when he gets his hands on you, especially in pass protection, he's very sturdy. Um, he didn't really get pushed back too many times. Obviously, there was one uh, that did result in our quarterback going down uh, in a brief um, heart attack for everyone in Duval County uh, for about 10 minutes. Um, but all in all, it wasn't well. even that bad of a play. Like It, it wasn't. It was It was late. Yeah. It <clears throat> late. It looked like it really looked like to me that he kind of just got I, I don't know if he rolled the ankle. We were watching it. Some some people were saying maybe he just got cleated, but it looked like he rolled it pretty bad. But luckily enough, the weight did not come down on the ankle completely to the ground. Trevor was able to kind of roll out of it and stay out of, you know, any serious harm's way. But you gotta be proud of, of that guy. You know, there were some question marks around him. Obviously, we had our own question marks. Why isn't this guy seeing the field? There's gotta be a reason. And to, I mean, obviously every NFL player prepares to play on Sunday, or at least they should, uh, because, you know, anything can happen at any time. But to be kind of just thrown into the fire, um, you know, with Cam Robinson getting injured in pregame and being able to hold up uh, against the top-ranked defense in the league, I think he played pretty well. There's some things, like I said, that you would like to see him do a little bit better. But, again, his first start in the NFL, that's going to come with time. I mean, I, I think overall he played pretty well. Yeah, you mentioned some of the things that he could do better. I think just getting his hands up quicker. Uh, Mario Addison was consistently getting hands on him first, and that's just not what you want in pass protection. Um, you want to be able to control these things, and he wasn't able to do that. And on the one sack, Trevor Lawrence, I didn't see it, but Lawrence mentioned that uh, Little got stepped on, so perhaps that led to that sack. Um, I didn't see it. I rewatched it over and over again, but... It's one of those things where, yeah, there are there are a lot of areas he can improve, but when you look at the put, the situation he was put in, really he only had one or two negative plays for this offense, and all things considered, that's awesome. And when you think about what the Jaguars' offensive tackles have been doing over the last couple of years, there's not many games where you can say Cam Robinson didn't have a couple bad plays for this offense or Jawan Taylor didn't have a couple bad plays for this offense. So when you look at it that from that perspective, very encouraging. Uh, glad we got to see it. And I give a lot of credit to George Warhop, the offensive line coach. Prior to the game, Urban Meyer, you know, they figure out Cam Robinson's not going to be able to play. Urban's talking to Warhop and Urban wants to play Will Richardson, and George Warhop tells him, no, Walker's ready. Walker's ready. Uh, credit to George Warhop for having the confidence to do that, but I think that's so huge for this um, coaching staff and for Urban Meyer to have guys on his staff that will be honest with him with, with what they feel and kind of I know that's not confrontational, but tell him, you know, no, I don't think Will Richardson should start. I think Walker Little should start to guys that will give him the truth and not just, you know, tell him what he wants to hear, I think is huge. Absolutely. And and that's kind of something we talked about last week. You know, Urban Meyer being this CEO kind of coach, you got to make sure you have the right guys around you. So this is one instance where that went well, in my opinion, you know, he, he was going to make a decision, but 
listened to the guys around him, and I think it paid off. We've seen Will Richardson play, uh, and nothing against him, but it's nothing special. And and he's not uh, you know a future piece for us that we need to really see what we have in a guy like that going forward. So very glad that Warhop you know wanted to put Little in. Very glad that Urban Meyer took his advice. Um, you know as he is there to do. Um, he's your offensive line coach for a reason. If you didn't trust him, if you didn't want him around, you wouldn't have kept him here. So it's great that they took that advice. Um, you know, you, you, you hate to see the sack. I, I didn't see him get stepped on either, but you know, it's great to see Trevor sticking up for his guys. You know, he's not saying, oh yeah, you know, he, he got me on that one. No, he's, he's sticking up for his guys. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that he's trying to cover anything up or, or, you know, he's, he's, he's just, he's that kind of leader. And to see him come back into that game, well, yeah, he didn't play all that well. Uh, he didn't really play well before that. That's going to happen. But to just see the toughness and, and have him want to come back into that game, he could have very, very easily made a business decision and just said, you know, this is about my future. There's no reason for me to come back into this game. But we were in the middle of a dogfight. And to have a guy that wants to be out there on the field in that dogfight with his team, with his squad, I mean, that cannot go understated. You cannot yeah. understate that. Just the drive, the passion. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is all in. He is all in, and it showed on Sunday, even with how poor he was playing. And yeah, CJ Beathard came in and he made a couple really good plays. So that, you know, kind of gives me uh, some confidence in him as well. If things were to go wrong or, or things were to go down, and we saw that from him in San Francisco, I mean, that throw he made to Agnew was just an absolute dime. Now, that's, that's, perfect. A, that's a tough catch to make for any receiver. And, Definitely and, and, a tough and catch. For a guy who didn't even start his, his career as a receiver, I don't knock him for that. But that throw was amazing. I mean, that like you said, that that, that could have been a, ga- a game changer. That could have been a, a changing point in the game. Six points right there, I mean, it is huge. So all in all, though, you know, kind of go back to it. You know, it's great to see that Urban trusts his staff. It's great to see that they're making the right decisions this time around. And it's great to see a quarterback who is putting it all on the line for his teammates, for his city, for his team. I mean, you can't you can't come away with anything more than that. Yeah. Now make sure to follow us on Twitter, Jeremy at Jeremy Markowski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. So awesome performance all around from the defense. You like some of the things you saw from the offense. It didn't come together as a whole. No James Robinson. You're going to struggle. This is number one defense in football. Uh, But all in all, you know, if you're a young team like this, new coaching staff, a lot of young players, rookie quarterback. Earning a win like this is huge. You can't overstate it, or you can't understate it. It's 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 a massive, massive win for the Jaguars. But we need to start talking about moving forward. I mean, we can't just sit here and celebrate this game forever. So my question to you, Jeremy, is this a building block or an aberration? Oh, that's a tough question. That, that That's a tough question. I think it's an aberration in the fact that I don't think the defense will play that well at all for the rest of the year. They just can't. They're just not built to play like that. This isn't the defense of 2017 where we have stars and studs across you know three levels of the defense. It's just not that. However, it could be a building block of improvement. I mean, this defense has been so, so terrible against the pass. I think they're middle of the pack against the run, like 12th or 13th, but they're so bad against the pass that it brings their overall defense down to 28th in the league. So maybe, maybe this is a building block for Joe Cullen to kind of understand, you know, what calls, what schemes are working with the team that he has. Maybe we can generate more pressure on opposing quarterbacks now. 
Maybe we can, you know, create some mismatches and, and really get things working up front. That's what you got to expect. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a building block and an aberration. The offense has to play better. You're not going to win very many football games, if any, because uh, we obviously won one playing like that. You've got to step it up. But I look at the rest of the schedule, and we kind of got through our, you know, our, our, our tumultuous time that we all kind of looked at before the season. Turns out some of the teams we played in the beginning of the season are much better than teams we have coming up. I think now is a chance for us to take some of those games, get some of those wins as we progress through the season and, and really you know take a step in the right direction heading into next year. It can be a building block for us, absolutely, but it's also an aberration at the same time. Yeah, I mean, uh, the winning a game with nine points, you're absolutely right. That's not going to happen very often, especially not with the talent level of this defense. I think the building blocks that you take away from this are the fact that Joe Cullen's calling a defense that works for the players that are in the defense. Um, he's able to realize, you know, the deficiency of the Bills and attack it. Um, the fact that Daryl Bevel's getting a little bit better at scheming these guys open on the offensive end, the fact that Trevor Lawrence continued to show his leadership by, like you said, you know, gutting it out and getting back on the field for his guys in a close game. I think those are the building block type of things. I think the pass rush is a building block too. Maybe not the interior as much because you're going against a interior offensive line that's not very impressive. But Dewan Smoot and Josh Allen deserve all the credit in the world for that that edge rush. Um and it, it it's been it's been coming. I mean, that pressure has been happening for the last month or so and the floodgates just kind of opened in this one partially thanks to the fact that you're getting more of a interior rush as well. And the fact that the guys are more comfortable playing in the zone behind them. So when you look at those things, I think it can be, be a building block, but yeah, you're not going to hold teams to six points week in and week out. You're not going to face teams that are one dimensional like that week in and week out. And that have zero desire to not be one dimensional uh, like the bills did. So uh, another quick talking point before we get to the Colts. Urban talked about the bye week a lot after this game. Uh, he said, or he said on Sunday and today, uh, probably with a young team and a new coaching staff, that there's some things he he should have done different that they, the team should have done different during the bye. And you know, we all know what happened after the bye week with with the Seahawks just taking the Jaguars out behind the woodshed. Um, that's all good for me, but you can't lay an egg in Indy if it's the case that, oh, we were just coming off a of bye week and we didn't do things right. If you're saying that the bye week was the culprit for the Seahawks' performance, now you have to go out. You don't have to win against the Colts, but you have to play a competitive game. You have to coach the game well. Head coach making the big decisions. Joe Cullen calling the scheme properly and calling the plays properly, getting them in a position to succeed and Daryl Bevel doing the same thing on the offensive side of the ball. So for me, it's like, I hear you, but you got to go and show it in Indy for me to really believe what you're, what you're saying here. Yeah. I mean, the bye week comments definitely concerned me because you've got guys on this staff who have been in the NFL for how long now, and you couldn't lean on them in the same way that you've leaned on other coaches in George Warhop at, on this Sunday to make a good decision to kind of understand how the bye week works. So hopefully going forward, things change. And, you know, we all knew that this might be a difficult year, but we're heading into week 11. 
And, you know, I know that you say that we don't really necessarily have to win, but we have to play well. I think we need to start winning some games because we've played well against teams we shouldn't have played well against, and, and we lost those games. We should have beaten the Cardinals. We should have been able to close them out. We lost that game. We are up 14 to nothing on the Bengals at halftime. We lost that game. And there have been some games that we fought in really well that we lost, and, and that's okay, and that's tough, like the Titans. But then you come out and, and put up a stinker in Seattle against Geno Smith and the Seahawks. It takes back everything well that you've done up to that point. Then you go out and beat the Bills. Okay. Great. That's awesome. That's amazing. I mean, we went out there and beat the number one team at the time in the AFC, number one defense, number one offense, yada, yada, yada. We've heard it all week. Now you've got to turn that into consistency. Can we consistently play well and stop having these, you know, almost there moments to get blown out a week later? Well, like for me, I think that this team with their talent level could play well and still lose to the Colts. And I agree. And, the, and I, I think it could that. be a well-coached game, a well-thought-out game, and you could still lose. Uh, 100%. 100% agree. But what I'm saying is you've got to start finding those wins. And the Colts, being a divisional team, yeah, they're, they're playing really well right now. They're playing really well right now. They've got a great offensive line, a solid defense, a great running back, an okay quarterback. They're not great on the outside of receiver. Like, there are things that you can attack. You've got to find ways to come away with some wins. Now that you've just beaten a team that no one on planet Earth expected you to beat, you've got to come out and beat some teams that you kind of look at and say, okay, I can see a way the Jaguars can win this game. We've, we've gone through those. We've gone through those already. It's week 10 now. I didn't, you know, uh, we didn't think we'd be here in, in this particular instance in week 10. If you had a couple wins earlier in the year, you know, to kind of make up for everything else that's gone on, it might be a little bit, you know, of a different tone here. But it's week 11. You only have two wins. One of them came against a very, very bad team in London in a game that you probably could have lost. And then the second one came against the the, the greatest team that we've faced so far this year, a really, really, I think, sturdy and, and legitimate Super Bowl contender. Now they can't run the ball. And that that's fair. And they, they, might, they might go on the backslide here. I mean, that happens every year. A team starts out hot and falls off on the back end. But what do you do about those teams in the middle? I mean, really, if you look at the rest of the schedule, we've got the Colts twice. We've got the Jets. We've got the Patriots. Um, we've got San Fran, who's eh. Um, Two and four. They're we, not playing great. Right. We've got Houston again. We've got uh, Tennessee one more time. Or do we play them yeah. twice? Or Tennessee one more time yeah. without Derrick Henry. So, And we played them really close the first time around. So we've got, what, six games left, seven games left, eight games left, aren't we, right? We're at eight. We might have nine games left. So I'm obviously – Nine games left. But, but some of those games I just mentioned – those are winnable games. We have the Rams. That's you know that's probably not a winnable game. We didn't think the Bills were winnable either. But some of these you've got to tuck under your belt as wins. You can't just keep having these letdown weeks um, or these weeks where you fight so hard and, and still come up short. Great teams find a way to win those games. This but, isn't a great team. Let's it's not. not that but, but <laughs> it's not by any means. But do you you have to get there at some point, right? You've got to take those steps at some point, or you're going to be stuck in the mud. I mean, I'm not saying you got to beat all of them. Great teams win all of those games, most of those games. I'm not saying you got to win all of them, but you got to give me more than what we've got up until this point at the half point of the season. I need more than two wins in the back half of the season after what I just saw on Sunday, knowing this team can rise up to the occasion. I need more than two wins in the next 10 games, nine games, eight games, whatever it is. Yeah, nine games. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear, and I agree they need to win more games. But for me, it's I guess it's more about the process than the results when you have this little talent on the back end and some other places on the roster. But um, looking at the Colts here, they are missing Xavier Rhodes, starting cornerback with a calf injury today. 
Wednesday, November 10th. Right tackle Braden Smith with an elbow did not participate in practice either. Um, no Braden Smith. That could be interesting if he's not able to go for sure because you've got Dewan Smith, or excuse me, Dewan Smoot coming off that you know left side of the defense, right side of the offense. He put Daryl Williams in a blender last week. I mean, he was just getting after him left and right. If you don't have your starting right tackle, Smoot could be a, a little bit of a mismatch there for your backup. But the Colts are coming off a monster offensive performance against the Jets. Uh, everybody's been putting up points on the Jets lately, though. Let's be honest. They haven't uh, held a team under 34 in the last three weeks. So the Jets' defense is reeling a little bit. So I'm not going to look too much into that game when I'm looking at the Colts. But before that, um, they hung there with the Titans. Uh, They blew out the Texans. They beat the 49ers in San Francisco. So they're a team that they're kind of hitting their stride. They're playing pretty good. Um, When you look at their offense, starts with the offensive line, as you mentioned. Some studs up there. Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, they've got a very good front, very good front for running the ball. They run a lot of trap, a lot of wham, a lot of stuff that gets these guys moving and creates big lanes for Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, who is you know a guy not enough people talk about. That's a two-headed backfield that is as good as it gets. Jonathan Taylor, he's forcing missed tackles at an extremely high clip. He can do that. He can also run away from you. And Naheem Hines is one of the best kind of uh, scat backs in football right now. Yeah, I, I think the biggest question mark, you know, coming into this game is can this defensive line and secondary, you know, kind of ride the coattails of, of last week into another impressive performance against the Colts offense? And it's really going to come down to can the D line and can the linebackers be as good against the run as they've been this year? I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I think they're 12th or 13th total against the run prior to Sunday. I would have to assume it had it's gotten better uh, given the the little rushing yards they gave up on Sunday. And Josh Allen got a whole bunch. Got a whole bunch. Of, yeah, he did. The quarter. Yeah, he did. If you minus everybody else, he did have a quite a. Their running samples, backs but, averaged like two point something yards a carry, but Josh Allen kind of skewed those numbers. But yeah, their run defense, they're getting the job done. I'm with you there. Right, and so that's all you got to do. And we saw Derrick Henry really kind of be held in check for you know three quarters and some change a couple weeks ago. That's what my that, that that's what my thought process is. Can you come up? Keep doing what you're doing against the run and shut down Jonathan Taylor because he is the main focal point of their offense. And then if you can do that on the back end, can you ride that momentum and, and play well against Carson Wentz? Can you add some pressure and make him make some mistakes? Because we know he doesn't make the best decisions. We've seen it week in and week out. He's made some pretty bad decisions. And really, if you look across the receiving core, there's no one really special out there. Michael, I mean, Michael Pittman, Pittman playing good ball. Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, but outside of Michael Pittman, who has really been coming into his own this year and, and the bills had Stefan Diggs, who I think is better than Michael Pittman. So at this point, there's nobody there that really different, but yeah, right. better over burner, a, 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 a speed, quick guy rather than uh, Michael Pittman's got a big frame. He's, he's a high point ball guy. He's going to go up there and get it, but that's all you got to do. I mean, can you just, can you take some of that and, and bring it, to this team on Sunday, because I think if you can emulate what you did against the Bills, you have a great chance of shutting down the Colts. I mean, just the quarterback, they're inferior on offense. They really are uh, in some instances. Obviously, they're a much better rushing team, but the Jaguars have played that better than anything else this season. Can that still be a strength for you on Sunday? 
Yeah, the interesting thing about this matchup between the Jaguars front and the Colts rushing attack for me is you've got the elite runners in the backfield, but you've also got the great O line up front. I don't think they've faced a a running game with this combination of offensive line talent, continuity, and the special backs. You faced Joe Mixon and you were able to, you know, keep him in, in control, but Bengals offensive line is not the Colts offensive line. Uh, Titans, same thing. Their offensive line is not as good. Of course, Derrick Henry is unbelievable. Um, uh, but this is, they've got the full package with this running game. They, if, if the Jaguars can stop that, I don't know who can run the ball on them. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. Now, can they? Obviously, we know is the main question. I think they've faced some pretty decent offensive lines up to this point, but like you mentioned, I mean, the Colts have been, if not the best, one of the best for the last three years. Now, not having Braden Smith is going to be huge. It's going to be a weak spot, especially over there at the tackle. I mean, you've got to take advantage of that. You've got to scheme, you know. And that's if he doesn't play. We're and, not sure. Right. Point. And that's if he doesn't play. But you've got to find those weak points. I think obviously that's what uh, Joe Cullen did a great job of on Sunday, attacking the Bills up front. You've got to do the same thing against the Colts. Find the weak points. Do they have any? We'll have to figure it out. Could be right tackle for sure. Could be. Um, Definitely not in, in the interior. They're pretty locked down in the interior right now, barring any injuries. No doubt about it. And that's what's concerning when you look at stopping their passing attack. Because like we said before, Taven Bryan – and Adam Gotsis, these guys were just wreaking havoc in the middle uh, as interior rushers against the Bills last week. I don't see that happening. And I, and when you talk about how the Bills were one-dimensional, the Colts aren't going to be one-dimensional. So ha- do you feel confident getting Taven Bryan on the field that much and just telling the guys to pin their ears back? I'm not sure. It's going to be fascinating to see how Joe Cullen adjusts his scheme from going against a pass happy team to a team that wants to run the ball more, but they can still pass. Um, Carson Wentz, for me, he's kind of like the C plus version of Josh Allen right now. He's big, he's pretty mobile, pretty athletic, uh, big arm, but doesn't make as good of decisions, isn't quite as impressive with his arm, isn't quite as impressive with his physicality and athleticism, in my opinion. Um, I believe outside of the Jets game, which he played very well, uh, the two previous games, he had seven total turnover-worthy plays. So can you figure out a way to to get pressure on him and to make him make some bad decisions? If you can, and I think I think if they can control Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, then they absolutely will be able to get Carson Wentz uh, making some mistakes. I just don't know if they can control Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. And uh, I do think, you know, they can handle Pittman. We'll see how it goes. But if you've got Shaq Griffin in the same role that he has been in, I think he'll be able to handle that. But, yeah, it all comes down to Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor Naheem Hines and that, that offensive line and if the Jaguars can slow him down. Yeah, any way to put your defense – in a good position is to make a team one dimensional, like you mentioned. And can the Jaguars do that? Not sure. But here's the difference is the bills chose to be one dimensional. They chose to be one dimensional on Sunday. And that ultimately led their demise. The Colts aren't going to choose to be one dimensional, but you have to take away Jonathan Taylor. I mean, like you mentioned, he is the guy. So if the Jaguars can go back to what they were doing well early in the year and, and stop the run, 
you can force the Colts into being one-dimensional. I think that's your key to victory right there is force them to be one-dimensional, force Carson Wentz to beat you, force anybody else but Jonathan Taylor to beat you. Stack the box early. Stack the box early, stuff the run, make them think they can't run it, put them in obvious passing situations, and that's when you can kind of start to bring in the trickery, bring in the guys, you know, bunched up to the line of scrimmage and drop him out the last second and use Carson Wentz's brain against him. Make him make those mistakes. Yeah. Um, on the other side of the ball, you've got a defense that's really interesting. Uh, in terms of schematics, they're kind of similar to the Bills. They're running that 4-3. They're not doing anything super crazy. But I look at the Bills defense and I just see a solid all-around unit with a lot of really good players. I think the Colts have some elite players and maybe some they they have some more deficiencies around their defense where guys aren't playing great but some of these elite guys are able to overcome that when you talk about DeForest Buckner in the middle one of the most disruptive interior defensive linemen in the game Quiddy Pay has not been getting sacks but he's been getting pressure and that guy is just a nightmare waiting to happen with his physical ability the edge rusher Darius Leonard tackling and turnover machine right now he's peanut punching the ball left and right getting all these forced fumbles um they're more opportunistic than the bills and they're not quite as steady as the bills but the bills they're they were leading the nfl in turnover margin last week the colts are right up there with them if trevor lawrence can play clean football i think you have a chance here yeah, and, and that's something that he's been doing for the most part of the last few weeks. We haven't seen multiple turnovers. Uh, we've obviously seen a few here and there, but not multiple in a game, and I think that's huge. It obviously doesn't put you behind the sticks, and it doesn't put your defense in a bad position. And you did hit it right on the head there with with, with the Colts' defense and the way they're different than the Bills' defense. I think um, from top to bottom, just about the Bills are probably the most – well-rounded, solid, just just unit from top to bottom. I mean, they've got players at every position. The Colts don't have that. The Colts have, you know, DeForest Buckner, like you mentioned, a game changer um, on the line. And then um, Darius Leonard is, 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 if not the, one of the best linebackers in the league right now. But their secondary is really where they lack. Um, and so I think that's really where you'll They're be able up to a ton of yards. Yeah. I think that's really where you'll be able to find your niche and maybe attack this week. I mean, like you mentioned, they haven't really had any pass rusher breakout yet. Quiddy pay has been getting there. has been getting some pressures. He hasn't really had that breakout yet. You just hope it doesn't come against the Jaguars offensive line. So, I think yeah, they've gotta, been pass rushed by committee. I mean, right. they're not like up in the league leaders in terms of uh, sacks, but they've got a lot of guys that have gotten a couple sacks here, a couple sacks there. So it is interesting. They just, yeah, they just haven't had anybody break out yet. So you can probably use that to your advantage. I mean, it it probably makes it a little bit more difficult too. You don't really know who you got to key in on, who you got to double team. Obviously you're going to really Buckner. pay attention to Forrest Buckner, right? But you run the ball consistently. You throw off the play action, get these DBs stepping up, you know, get people out of position. I think that's how you beat this team. I agree. Um, the Colts, they're not as stout as the bills, but they haven't been given up a lot of points because of the opportunistic nature of their defense, 10 fumble recoveries, 10 interceptions, 19 sacks, which isn't amazing. But when you combine that with the turnovers, all of it's kind of working to where they're not giving up a ton of points. Yeah. 
that's something that we've also got to do better. We've got to break through that. The Jaguars have to start consistently putting points on the board and finishing drives. And, and that's something that we've struggled with. So that's obviously where the Colts, you know, in this bend don't break style of defense have been successful. Can the Jaguars finally break through that? Can Trevor Lawrence finally start finishing drives? Can we hold up long drives too? You know, can we go 70, 75 yards down the field, take up clock and be successful up and down the field all day long? Something we haven't seen from this team yet that we need to see for a full, complete four quarters. We saw it in Cincinnati. We saw it in Cincinnati. They moved the ball extremely well. Should have really had three drives that resulted in touchdowns. So we've seen it at times. Can they do it consistently for four quarters, I really hope they can, especially against a division rival. Yeah. So now the question is, will they do it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if James Robinson plays, they have a really good chance to. If he does not play, they don't. Yeah. And, you know, Urban says he's going to play. So we'll see how that goes. What do we got? What do you think? What's going to happen? You know, to be quite honest with you, I, I think this team's fired up. I think, you know, we always play, especially Indy, very well. Um, I, I don't think Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback. I think he lucks into a lot of plays. Uh, I think they were able to really, you know, kind of lean on a very, very bad Jets defense and allow Jonathan Taylor to really get going on Sunday. I don't think that happens this Sunday. And I think the Jaguars actually pull off back-to-back wins for the first time in God knows how long. Uh, I think the Jacksonville goes into Indianapolis. I think this defense has found a new identity. They know what works. They're going to be aggressive again. Uh, they're going to be fired up, and they're going to be attacking. Uh, they're going to be running on all cylinders. I think the Jaguars can take this one 28-17. Um, James Robinson plays. I think he plays very well. I don't think there's any issue with his uh, heel. Hopefully it's not a long-term thing. We can get him on the field. Um, and, and you know, we need some guys to step up. LaVisca's got to have a good game. Got to have Marvin to have a good game. We can't drop passes, but I think the Jaguars can get it done. I really do. I love it, man. I'm not going with the Jaguars in this one. I've got the Colts 23, the Jaguars 17. Like I said, the Colts have been very opportunistic with their turnovers and their sacks. Um, The Jaguars offense just is not doing it right now. Uh, I know that has been without James Robinson, but even with James Robinson, they still weren't doing a whole lot in terms of capitalizing and finishing drives. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts 23, the Jaguars 17. I, I I think the Jaguars really struggle um, to get off the field against this offense because of the combination of the offensive line, the blocking scheme. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines are just too much. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I do expect this to be a well-coached loss, but ultimately I just don't think the Jaguars are going to match up with the Colts well enough to get the win. I, I just I think and I hope that it just puts them in a different headspace, you know. And if it, I mean, that. yeah, if it does, maybe then you're talking about this team really taking the next step and becoming a, you know, maybe a dangerous team the second half of the season. <laughs> but I'm not ready to I'm not ready to crown them yet. I'm not ready to say that they've arrived. Uh, I think the Colts, while they're flawed, uh, they don't have a great quarterback. I just think the running game is too much and that their defense is going to do enough to get off the field uh, more often than not. Yeah, I, I hope not. I hope not. I really do. I hope they can contain these backs. I mean, you said it best. You got to contain the run of the Naheem Hines is, is so electric out of the backfield, especially catching passes. It's definitely going to have to be something that you're going to have to keep your eye on. I mean, can this team finally 
string together a couple good performances, maybe an all-around good performance. I think the best thing about this for them going forward is that they have a chance to play right away after a win. I think going right into a bye after a win kind of takes away from that that energy, that excitement, that that freshness of of the victory that you just had on Sunday. And I think that's going to help them as well. They're going to go into Indianapolis, into Lucas Oil with just a different mind, I think, in my opinion. Can you imagine? I mean, Jacksonville's excited this week uh, for a two and six football team. Jacksonville is excited. Can you imagine if they go up into Indy and uh, steal a win against a divisional opponent? Oh yeah, it'd be unbearable. But I, I'm here for it. I'd love it. I, I would love it. I mean, last year our sole win against the Colts. Uh, I, I'd like to go back and and see the last time the Colts swept us. I'm sure it's more recent than you know 2010. But I feel like we always play the Colts extremely well, extremely it's close. Usually and we in Jacksonville, one. though. Well, you're right. They we, usually get that dove in Jacksonville, and we'll have that chance to again later in the year. But why don't we go ahead and just take it? Uh, take it, take them both this year. Let's do it. Let's just go ahead and take them both. If you're listening out there, Jaguars, if anybody's taking a listen, because I'm sure you are. You know, this podcast <laughs> reaches everyone in Duval. Go ahead and get that win for me. Let's go ahead and get two in a row, and then we'll really start rolling. I, I think if we can get on the right track. Right now, at this point in our schedule, we, we could rattle off, you know, six out of eight here, you know, five out of eight here. I know I'm getting crazy here. Maybe I should stop, but I like where this team is headed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, before we talk about six out of eight, five out of eight, get the dub against the Colts and then we can talk. Cause <laughs> then you're talking far. about winning, winning three out of four games, two in a row. Yeah. Um, beating the Colts, who I think are a wild card contender. Uh, they started out 0-3, and, and since then they've been winning games and playing very competitive football. And the teams they played to get to 0-3, they had to play the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Titans to start the season. And then they've played the Titans again. So they've played four kind of buzzsaw teams at the time that they played them. Um, I do think that the Colts will be a contender for the wild card. I don't think they'll get the wild card. But they're a team that's pretty good. They're not great. They're, they're pretty good. They've got a lot of um, big-time players on the defensive side of the ball with Buckner and Leonard and Quiddy Pay potentially. And they've got that running game. So I want to be there with you with predicting the win. I just can't do it yet. I do think they will be well-coached in this one. I don't think that we're going to be like coming back on Monday kind of back to where we were a few weeks ago where it's like, what is Daryl Bevel doing? What is Joe Cullen doing? I think it'll be a competitive, close game that they just don't win because A, they're really young, and B, they're just not quite talented enough yet uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Man, well, I hope you're wrong because if, if I'm not mistaken, I think after this week, I think I'm one game ahead of you in the pick because we both lost last yeah. week. So if if I'm right, or if you're right and I'm wrong this week, it'll bring us back down to even. So I hope, uh, for my sake, that they go out and get this win this week. Let's stay ahead of Jordan here in the pick stand. I hope you're right, man. (laughs) I'm willing to sacrifice my picks for Jaguars wins. Fair enough. Hey, man, anything for a win in the teal. Anything for a win in the teal. That's right. Uh, That'll do it, though. Shout out to Bold City Brewery, one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. Duval, enjoy the rest of your week, and go Jags.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.